Hey, thanks for tuning in to this podcast. We would love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. We encourage you to send us your story by visiting our new website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to freedom. A Thrill of Hope is our series that we have uh, been on. First week, we talked about how we have a hope for our lives. Second week, we talked about hope for our family. This morning, we're talking about a hope for our future. And one of the things I wanted to highlight to you as a family that we didn't get a chance to tell you yet today is that we did meet our Harvest $25,000 goal for the year. Isn't that awesome? So praise God for his faithfulness and your faithfulness in being obedient and saying, I want to be a part of something to bring hope to the future of not just us as a church, but bringing hope to many people in our community. Amen? And that's what we aim to do every single week. I want to open up with a story about a man who was walking, in, uh, walking by the park one Saturday. And as he was walking in the park one Saturday, he saw little league, uh, te- two little league teams playing. He went and sat on the, on the bench there, and, and he was watching, and he noticed there was no scoreboard. So he leaned over to the kid in the dugout. He said, kid, what's the score? And the kid looked over, and he said, 18 to nothing them. And the guy said, whoa, sorry, that must be pretty discouraging. The kid said, why should it be? We haven't batted yet. <laughs> the reality is that that's exactly the kind of hope we need to hold on to. Hey, it may look bad, but we haven't batted yet. We're going to take our swings too. And you know, I think hope is like that sometimes. It should be tackled that way. I think we can look at our situation and go, oh, it's 18 to nothing. Or we can look at it and go, you know what? I still have to get my swings in. I still have a chance to make and turn this thing around. How many know that's true? And so what happens is we often forget that there is a hope that is beyond our circumstances, that's beyond us. And today, I want to encourage you with this, that even, uh, even in this one statement John Maxwell said, spoke to me, where there is no hope for the future, there is no power in the present. Where there is no hope in the future, there's no power in the present. So today I realized that in order for me to have power right now, I need to hope in a future. I need to hope in something bigger than myself. And some of us, maybe this morning you walked in and you're maybe a little discouraged. Maybe a little discouraged because you feel like it's 18 and nothing then. You feel like maybe things have come against you and there's no way you're going to get, you're going to dig out of that hole. But I want to tell you something. Yes, you can. There is a God and there is a Jesus Christ who died, was buried, and resurrected again so you would have hope. But before he did all that, he was born. And it blows my mind how I think about how God so loved me that he he was born on this earth to fight for me. To fight for me. And this morning, I want to talk a little bit about um, hope for future found in John chapter 1, the future or a future of hope. Turn there with me, if you would, to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Thank you, sir. John chapter 1, and I'm going to read a little bit 
of scripture here this morning. But I make no apologies for it because I, I believe that more, there's more that God can say in one verse than I can speak in my lifetime as far as power. And this first verse of John, the gospel of John chapter one is about all you need to know about how much God's, God loved us. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, verse two. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that had been made. In him was life and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came to witness, to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. Did you know that John was testifying about Jesus so that people would believe? He's saying, let me, t- let me give you a reason to believe, Jesus. Let me give you a reason to believe and hope, Jesus. Jesus was the center of every bit of hope we could hold on to. Every bit of hope we could hold on to. And I realize that in my life, if I don't have hope, I don't have anything. Some of you don't realize this, but the only hope you can really cling to that's worth holding on to is that hope found in Jesus. And here he testifies, he says this, there came a man who was sent by God or from God, his name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. Verse 8, he himself was not the light. Uh, You ever heard of someone like be really good at singing? It's like, wow, that person's going to be the next this, right? You ever heard someone uh, be such a great athlete? Oh, that's the next Michael Jordan. Or in music, that's the next this person or the next that person, right? There's always the next because we always want to fill the slot. So here's John God sent, right? God sent John. But let me make it very clear. He's not the light. He's pointing to the light. He was in the world. Right here it says, let's look at verse 9. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. Verse 10. He was in the world, and though the world... was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Do you see the deity of Jesus is coming to the surface here? He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, they didn't even recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own received him not. Yet to all who had received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision but, or of, of husband's will, but born of God. Watch this, verse 14. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he is before me. And then verse 16, the last verse, from the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after 
another. What could be better than God giving his only son and offering us hope and forgiveness when nothing we do can offer us forgiveness? Nothing you do, nothing I do, no check you could write, no amount of times you could serve, no many times you could help people, none of those things can earn you forgiveness or heaven. So why not God give you the greatest gift that you can never give yourself or anyone else give you? Forgiveness. That forgiveness that God offers you is priceless. Absolutely priceless. See, you can walk up to anyone in the street. You can say, have you ever messed up? More than likely, they'll say, yeah, I've messed up. I've made mistakes. Yes, I've made mistakes. But the difference is, have you, if you ask the same people, have you ever sinned? Some of them may go, I don't know. Sin, yeah, I made mistakes, but, you know, who doesn't make mistakes? The question is not who doesn't make mistakes. The question is who has sinned? All of us, right? Because we want to lighten our load, right? We want to say, you know what? I messed up. But we don't typically say sinned. We say, I messed up. But I believe that there's a lot more sin on our account than we know, but we're also not as bad as we think we are. I think there's a balance there. But through all of the mistakes that we have made and all the things that we're responsible for, God still loves us. Friend, you know what that is? Hope. That's hope. The fact that God knows everything we've ever done wrong and he still loves us. Anything, everything and everything we've ever done wrong and he still forgives us. God saw fit to send his only son. And the Bible is very specific about the sin on our account. But is also very specific about the hope in heaven. Are you with me? Don't get quiet on me. I'll keep preaching until next service. Which is tonight at 6.30, candlelight. Shameless plug. The Bible is very specific about hope. And the Bible is very specific about who is hope. Hope is not a situation. Hope is a person. That person found Jesus. It's found to be Jesus. What kind of hope is God offering us today? Well, I want to offer you a couple things. And because I'm a preacher, I'm going to offer you three things. Number one, hope of eternal life. You realize that nobody, the person sitting next to you, behind you, or the person preaching at you, yes, me, I cannot offer you eternal life. I can offer you an option to receive eternal life. But I cannot offer you eternal life myself. Because I, it's not mine to give. It's mine to offer. You ever, had your, you ever gave your kids something and they start offering to their friends? You ever seen kids do that? Like I, my daughter wants something. She'd be like, oh, this is good. And then she'd be like, oh, I want something. And she'd start handing them out. Like, whoa, whoa. I just, okay, I didn't want any more of that anyway. It's fine. Not a problem. It's gone. It comes back. Here, dad. One's left inside the bag. Whole bag gone. Like, oh, I didn't need it anyway. It wasn't hers, but she offered it. You get that? That's our job. Our job is to spread hope as quickly, as violently as possible. You say, what do you mean violent? Hope is not violent. Hope is very violent. It shatters all the ideas that you are not who God said you are. Hope gives us this idea, this crazy idea that God loves you so much that he gave his only son for you. I mean, that's, that blows my mind, that God would love me so much. And it's violent. Hope is violent. 
because it shatters the world's perception of you. When the world says there's no way you could do it, God says, yes, you can, and you will. Over and over again. Hope of eternal life is, is, is spelled out in Titus chapter 3, verse 7, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. You see, you have to hope in eternal life because you can't see it just yet, right? You have to believe that it's there, even if you don't see it. And I want to tell you something. That hope of eternal life is available to, through Jesus. That's the thrill of hope. Hope has so much depth to it. Hope has so much meaning to it. Hope has a pulse. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 reads like this. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. For those of you that had the flu this season, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Though our outer self is wasting away. Felt like that. But here's what's happening. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. Our inner self is being renewed. Why? Because the inner self is more important than the outer self. Jesus Christ made it very clear that your inner self is more important than your outer self. How do you mean? Because God is more concerned with you being a Christian than acting like one. God is more concerned with your inner being than your outer well, Pastor Tony, our actions are important. Absolutely. Nobody said that your actions aren't important. I'm saying to you that your actions are derived from your person. And that person comes from the inside. It's not what you do on the outside that will shape the inside. What you do on the outside is only a reflection of what has already happened on the inside. And so I realized that God is more concerned with me and my inner self being renewed day by day than the outer self. That's why he's more concerned with your obedience than he is your discomfort. Let it marinate. You know what I'm talking about? He's more concerned with your obedience than he is your comfort because your comfort level will change according to your desires. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all, comp all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. The things that are unseen are eternal. Friend, if you can't see it, there's a good chance it's eternal. So hold on to that. Hold on to that hope of eternal life that is found in Jesus Christ. The second thought is simply this. Hope in crisis. Raise your hand if you ever had a crisis in your home. Raise your hand if you had crisis this week. Raise your hand if you had crisis this morning getting around. Hope in crisis. Some of you are like, Pastor Tony, were you in my car on the way over here? I know about hope in crisis. Romans 12 tells us rejoice in hope. Rejoice that you have hope. Be patient in tribulation. That's not fun. Let's just keep reading quickly, Pastor Tony. Be constant in prayer. Okay, I can kind of deal with that one a little more. 
but be constant in prayer. Rejoice in the hope and be patient in tribulation. But the only way you can be patient in tribulation is to be constant in prayer. Amen? Here's a few tips for holding on to hope. Who's ready to hold on to hope? Here it is. A few tips because I'm a practical guy. So let me give you some practical tips. Ready? This is the Bob Vila of the message part. Number one, don't let, it, don't let imaginations and anxieties cloud your belief in God's truth. So many people allow their feelings to obscure their ability to act on God's fact and truth. In other words, your fear, your anxiety, the things that you struggle with, all of a sudden those things take dominance in your life and they then hijack your faith. They hijack your hope. And that would have been a good subtitle. How not to hijack your hope work on that in post. We realize that we cannot hijack our hope by dealing and, and, and holding on to our anxiety as that is gospel truth. It is not. Your anxiety and your fear are not gospel truth. And they're not even truth. Most of the fears you have never even will happen. And if you're honest with yourself, you realize that's true. The second thing is this, if you realize this, don't think that everyone will believe in your dreams. You want to hold on to hope? Stop holding on to people's idea that they will believe just like you. Some who you thought will dream with you won't. People won't dream for you. Some won't dream with you. Some just won't dream at all. Some people are okay with feeling like everything else in this world is right because I could see it. But I'm telling you right now that just because you could see it doesn't mean it's eternal. Are you with me? Just because you could see it doesn't mean it's eternal. Third thing, because your lack, the people's lack of faith, let me say this before I go to the third thing. The people's lack of faith in your dream is not your concern. Their crisis is not your crisis. Their lack of belief is not your crisis. You follow me? Third thing, serve people during crisis. Serve people during crisis. When you're going through difficult times, serve somebody. Help somebody. All of a sudden, your mindset will be off of the things that you're doing and the things that concern you. And half of those things that concern you aren't even going to happen. When you start loving people, God says, I'll take care of your needs. Amen? Crisis doesn't own you. Christ does. And so we realize that Christ is our source. Psalm 27. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Christ is the one that I dwell on. Not my imperfections or my, fault, or my shortcomings, but my faith in him. And the third thing is simply this, hope of a future. Hope of a future. We can have incredible hope and knowledge of what lies beyond the grave, but if we don't believe it, why are we even doing this? You could read it, understand it, comprehend it, and have it up here, but you never, it never translates. It never translates. If how you believe every single day is a sign of what you believe, 
then what is it that you believe? Give me that wireless mic just in case. No matter what I face in life, I realize I have a hope and the future in him alone. Everything that I hold to when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, I hold to because of the person of Jesus, not my circumstance. The person of Jesus allows me to identify with everything that I'm going through. If I'm going through something, God, what am I going through this for? How could I hope in this circumstance? Because my situation is not found in the situation. My hope is found in the person of Jesus Christ. So my hope in a future is in the hands of the one who holds my future. Romans 5 tells us through him we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that the suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, but because God's love has been poured upon our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Friend, look at me. The Holy Spirit in you is the drive of hope. Do you realize that on the day of Pentecost, the people hung around because they had hope. They had hope in the promise. They understood that the promise that Jesus gave, tarry and wait. That that understanding, all of that was all hinged on whether or not I hope. Because 500 people heard the gospel and only 121 the upper room. Some people lost hope. Some people lost hope. The thrill of hope is available to every one of us. Ephesians 1, 17 and 18 says this, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him in the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. Watch this. That you may know what it is, the hope of his calling. The hope of his calling. I love, uh, how many of you watch the peanut, the peanut cartoons? I love every year. My children and I got together last night. We watched the Charlie Brown Christmas. And the peanut gallery, they always have something to say. And there was one cartoon that uh, was some years ago. Lucy and Linus were sitting in front of the television set, and Lucy says, Linus, go get me a glass of water. Linus looked surprised. He says, why should I do anything for you? You never do anything for me. Lucy says, hmm, okay. On your 75th birthday, I'm going to bake you a cake. Linus gets up, he starts walking to go get her a cup of water, and he says to himself, life is more pleasant when you have something to look forward to. You see, friend, I want to tell you something. You have something to look forward to. Okay, maybe it's not, hopefully it's not till you're 75. But you have something to look forward to, and that hope, that hope that is found in Jesus is available to you today. Let me, um, let me begin to put this in a capsule because the unshakable love of God is available to every single one of you. 
And hope is not something that you receive from man for a short time. Hope is something that comes from God and is eternal. That blessed hope is Jesus Christ coming back again. Are you with me? He's coming back. Did you know that? Do you guys realize he's coming back again? And he's coming back for his bride. His bride that stay faithful, stay true. But his bride that has received his son. Friend, you have hope today. That future is in Jesus. That future is a guarantee by God that he's coming back and his promise is good. His promise is good. Let me kind of put this in a story form for you for a moment. Years ago, there was a wealthy man who had devoted his life and his young son shared a passion for art collecting. And together they traveled around the world adding the finest of treasures to their collection. Priceless works of art. Some of them were uh, the finest of treasures like Picasso and Van Gogh and Monet and many others. They all adorned the walls of his estate. When uh, the widowed father looked on with satisfaction upon his only child, he said, you know what? I want to get a painting done of you. So he called a painter that he knew. He said, I want you to paint the picture of my son. And he did. It was a nice picture. Short time later, the father passed away. And in his will, he had put on there that he was to auction off all of his art gallery. And when that got out there to the art world, that this collection was going to be available for auction, there was a buzz. People from around the world came to this auction. And in the auction, there it was, all of the paintings that he had collected. The auctioneer stood up. And he said, before we begin the bidding of all these other auctions that I'm sure many of you have come for, we are going to start right here in the picture. They pulled out one. The first one was the picture of the sun. And so they said, we're going to start the bidding at $100. All the art collectors are like, we don't know what that is. That's not a famous painting. We're here for the ones afterward. And so he said, $100, $100, nobody would bid. So finally, a friend of the family knew the father, the collector, knew the son. And he said, I would really like that painting. Somebody yelled in the back, get to the real important stuff. People started getting restless because nobody would bid on that first one. So the man in the front that knew the family said, I'll bid it, $100. Auctioneer said, $200. Do I hear two? Do I hear two? Three, do I hear three? Nobody would bid. Still $100. And the people were starting to get restless. They're like, come on, just move on. We want to get to the real expensive stuff. Real antsy. Going once, going twice. Sold to the gentleman in the front, $100. And he smiled. And then the auctioneer looked at the crowd and said, with that, our auction is closed. Everybody, what, what is going on? And at that moment, the auctioneer said, let me explain. In the will was, if you bought the son, you bought it all. So the person that bid on the, the picture of the son 
gets the Monet, the Picasso, the, all the other ones that were in that collection. A mass collection. Because if you get the sun, you get them all. Just a picture of what it means to have hope in Jesus Christ today. If you get the sun, you get it all. God is not withholding anything from you today. Come on, somebody. He's not withholding anything from you. If you get the sun, everything else is yours. Those people were very, very regretful that they didn't bet on the sun. You know who was very regretful that they didn't bet on the sun? The devil, too. <laughs> the devil was mad. He didn't put his, he realized, he didn't realize what he was fighting against. And he realized this one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If you bought the sun, you bought it all. Can I tell you something today, church? There's no way that God wants you to walk out of here without hope. There is no way. The essence and the story of Christmas is that God gave us his son to give us life more abundantly. The one that has the son has it all. Psalm 42 tells us this. Why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Church, I know that some of you had a long year. Some of you had a year to forget. Others of you had a champion kind of year. Others of you, ups and downs, ups and downs. But no matter what, that hope that you can have can be found in Jesus Christ today. That is the thrill of hope. Amen? So today, Father, we come before you and we say thank you that you love us so much that you gave your only son for us that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Thank you that when we bought the son, we got it all. Lord, if we would have just understood how you valued the son, we would approach life differently. And I'm asking you today, oh God, allow us to approach life the way you want us to, with hope, with passion, with desire to know you more. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen.